to the Beyond 24 Days podcast with your host, Brooke and Ken. Beyond 24 Days is focused on healthier living by promoting whole and natural foods while supporting your local, responsible producers. You can follow us on social media at Beyond 24 Days, where we share our food ideas and recipes. And now your hosts, Brooke and Ken. Welcome to episode number five of the Beyond 24 Days podcast. This past week was Thanksgiving, and we hope you all had a wonderful Thanksgiving holiday. Hopefully everybody's travels were safe. And hopefully you didn't overindulge too much. I think we did okay. Well, to make up for some of the choices we made, we did run a 5K at 8 o'clock in the morning on Thanksgiving morning. It was called the Turkey Trot, and we did 3.1 miles through New Hope, Pennsylvania, across the bridge over the Delaware River into Lambertville, New Jersey. It was a pretty nice run. It was a little uh, chilly outside, and there was a portion of the race that goes over top of an open great bridge. And uh, the goal was to kind of, I guess, maintain a slow speed throughout the race, and uh, Brooke saw that bridge and just took off, so I had a fun time playing catch-up to her at a about six-minute mile pace to uh, get to her on the other side of the bridge. But when I caught up with her, everything was pretty good at that hey, point. when you're going over an open great bridge over the Delaware River and there's 600 people marching on the bridge and it's squeaking and rocking and your feet are falling through the open grates, you do a seven-minute mile. <laughs> it was a pretty good time. And Brooke was running at about a seven-minute mile pace and I had to run about a six-minute mile pace to catch up to her. All in all, it was a good time. It was chilly out at the start, but by the end of the race, everybody was nice and warmed up. And the... I guess race swag helped helped lower the, the pain of running. <laughs> yeah, we got some really beautiful medals and some really nice shirts out of the deal. Yeah, really wasn't expecting a whole lot, but uh, like I said, it was a really good time. And it kind of um, was a great segue into the day. It was a good way to start our morning off. After that, we went home and prepared for a Thanksgiving meal at my parents' house, and our daughter... Um, you know, she wanted to come and do the turkey trot with us, and we just weren't really sure how exactly that was going to work out. So we decided to, I guess, skip over this race, but we talked about uh, signing up for another race, and she expressed a lot of interest, so we decided to sign her up for an ugly sweater run, which is just a fun run. And um, a lot of these races that we do, even though they are timed, um, that's the main thing, is we just try to have fun with it. So the turkey trot race, it was timed. Uh, I think we finished in 32 minutes. I believe so. Um, so, I mean, it wasn't, you know, we weren't the last people to finish. We were probably right around the middle of the pack. There was about 600 people there, and we finished in the top um, 290 range. But, like I said, we do it just for fun. So, she wanted to do a, a race with us. So, the Ugly Sweater Run will be up in two weeks. So, we are, <laughs> uh, we've started training our nine-year-old, soon-to-be ten-year-old daughter, um, just real light training. We do like a walk-run session with her, and she really enjoys that. So we did a mock 5K just to kind of see where she is, and she finished in like a 46-minute pace. So that's pretty good. I know some adults that can't even maintain that, so I think she'll be she'll do fine. Plus, it's just a fun run, so. And she gets to hone in on her arts and crafts skills by making herself a wicked ugly sweater. Yeah, that's the other thing that we're looking forward to as well. So, like I said earlier, with Thanksgiving being on tap, uh, our week was relatively light as far as meals. We don't really have a whole lot to talk about. Um, but one thing that 
we did want to touch on just, I guess, go back and revisit our holiday eating guide. Uh, I know that we had mentioned eating uh, controlled amount portions, more vegetables than turkey. How do you think you did, Brooke? I think I did fairly well. I mean, it helped. Ken had um, an aunt who I think was being a little sensitive towards us, and she brought an amazing pan of roasted vegetables, almost like an autumn mix. It was delicious. It had beets and parsnips, butternut squash, carrots. It was delicious, and I'm pretty sure I filled almost half my plate with her vegetables. Yeah, shout out to Aunt Dee. That was a really good call. I know <laughs> that I filled up on that as well. And you know what? The funny thing is, is I maintained my portion control through dinner, and then I completely... <laughs> I completely threw out the window when it came to dessert. Sorry. I couldn't uh <laughs> I couldn't pass up the pumpkin pie and the civil war pie. Yeah, sorry about that. Yeah, Brooke likes to bake and a lot of times, especially earlier on, we we were able to express a lot of willpower and not not indulge in some of the sweets. But, you know, being the holiday season and everybody was digging in, I couldn't help but have a slice. It was that or birthday cake. So I thought that the pie would probably be the lesser of the two evils. But when you eat enough pie, I guess it's all just evil. So uh, for the first time in probably, I don't know, over a year, I had a little bit of heartburn when we went to bed, and I haven't experienced that in a long time. So it was a good reminder to uh, watch my portions from now on. And Ken brings up a really interesting uh, point of view here for me. Because I think one thing that has helped us over the last year and a half is just kind criticism. We've discussed many times that, you know, I like cheese. So if he sees me going towards a cheese platter, he just so kindly tells me, you know, you really shouldn't be eating that. And I, I, I swear I tried to do that with the pie, but it just didn't. Fell on fell on deaf ears. I ignored I ignored all of the fair warnings. After the first slice, she was like, Okay, very good, you know, and then the second slice she was like, Okay, are you uh what are you doing here? And I was like, Hey, you don't don't say it to me. But yeah, I ignored it. And I regret it, but not really. (laughs) Because um, you know, we had fun the next morning, the day after Thanksgiving, that morning my mom and I went for a jog. It's something that we do every time we visit my parents every morning. We usually go for a jog in the morning. So this was a, a good way to sort of kick off kick off being fit again or you know being active again. So we did about two mile jog and it felt really good. So I mean even though I overindulged, it wasn't the end of the world. And that's the other thing too. I think it's important to remember is you know, you can have one or two times a cheat meal or a cheat day, the important thing is to get back on track. So a lot of times people fall into the trap whereas they'll have a cheat meal and then it turns into a cheat day and then it turns into like a cheat week. So I think the important thing is always to remember if you do have a day where you sort of fall off the wagon, just to get back, you know, get back on track again the following day and, and try to pick up back onto that same lifestyle that you're trying to lead. So we did have one day, I guess it was a concerted cheat day, but after that it was all business, right back to it. Yeah, and I know for me, I don't feel like we did terribly bad over the holidays, but there were some things I could tell with myself, with my body, that I knew we didn't do right, which was staying away from salt and high-sodium products. 
which actually leads me into the topic that we would like to talk about today, which is salt. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say for us, a year and a half ago when we started this lifestyle, salt and high sodium products were the hardest things for us to give up. You don't realize how many um, things contain so much salt and so much sodium. You don't realize when you shake that salt shaker into your soup, how much you're actually putting in there. Yeah. And you know, that kind of just segues into, you know, how, how it makes you feel afterwards. Like the moment that we gave up dairy products and how I immediately realized, wow, I don't feel, I don't feel like I have stomach pains all the time. You know, I don't, I'm not drinking Pepto like it's going out of style. One of the things when we gave up salt, one of the things that I noticed right away is I didn't really feel bloated Mm -hmm. and I didn't really feel heavy and weighed down. And one of the other things is I remember not being able to get enough to drink. We would go out and I would get drink after drink after drink. I would just keep ordering drinks because there was just no way to satiate that thirst. And, you know, when you're consuming high calorie drinks, that, that's just even more, you know, you're just perpetuating that cycle. It just makes it even worse. So by cutting out salt, you know, at first, you can, if things kind of taste a little flavorless, but, you know, you kind of learn to sort of appreciate other flavors and actually taste your food. You can, yeah, you can actually taste what a tomato is supposed to taste like or what a pasture-raised chicken breast is supposed to taste like. Because what I've learned over a year and a half is salt is not a seasoning. Salt is a mask. It masks the natural taste of your food. And salt's one of those ingredients that food processors put into their food because you develop a craving for it. I know people who actually crave salt. They put salt on everything. And, you know, once, like I said, if you take, you cut the salt, out of your diet, you'll go through a a short period of time where you'll feel like things don't really have flavor because you're waiting, you're sort of anticipating that sort of salt kick. And when you don't get it, you just think, oh, you know, this doesn't have any flavor to it. So that's one of the things too, whenever, you know, in processed ingredients have that high salt content, it's, it almost has like addictive, um, addictive properties. It helps, you know, sort of suck you in something that you really look forward to. So you're probably wondering, what can I do to avoid salt? What can I do to get around sodium? So if you're doing things like broth, you really can't avoid it 100%. But I always try and find the low-sodium broth, low-sodium soy sauce. If you have to buy something that is processed already, that's your best route to go, is find the one with the least sodium in it. But I've actually... Uh, started making my own spice mixes. So when we have tacos, I will no longer buy the little envelope that has the Mm. taco seasoning in it because not only does it have salt in it, it also has preservatives, artificial colors, things of that nature. You'd be surprised how easy it is to just throw a few spices into a dish and then throw that into your taco meat, sand salt. Yeah, we're, we're pretty fortunate. Again, you know, we keep mentioning how we have a local farmer's market near us, and we actually have a vendor that specializes in herbs. And if, if you have the ability to find us, you know, to be able to find and source out your own, you know, herb dealer, I guess, we, 
Um, but you can sort of find some of these herbs and create, like Brooke said, you can create your own spice mixtures. And that's something that we most recently have really started. We've been visiting the uh, Spice Lady now for uh, the last, I don't know, a couple months or so. We've kind of amped it up and really have sort of grown our, our spice cabinet. Um, yeah, it's become a little bit of a spice addiction. I seriously think that I have every single spice you could think of shoved in that tiny little spice cabinet. I actually had to do some rearranging the other day because I couldn't fit everything in there, and I was literally shoving the door shut on the spice cabinet. Yeah, I guess I should probably uh, blow the dust off of some of my woodworking equipment and actually build a proper spice rack. I have a problem. Yeah, I think we all do. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so... Um, Along with taco seasoning, I've also made spice mixes like Greek seasoning, uh, Cajun seasoning. It's just a matter of finding good quality spices and just throwing some things together. You can get small Tupperware containers, and they store for quite a while if you use them frequently. Garlic. Mm. Garlic is also another amazing thing, whether it's just a minced bulb of garlic or garlic powder. Garlic can make anything taste way better. Yeah, and you know what? As Brooke's saying this, it just occurred to me right now. I guess what I can do, since we're sort of short on the recipes this week for food items, um, I can post up a couple of, I guess, spice alternatives, Mm -hmm. some of our own homemade spices. I think that would be a good thing to share with everybody. And the last note that I'd like to touch on about things that happen to you once you give up salt and high sodium products is the amazing change that I went through, not so much you, but me. Before we started this journey, I could never tolerate heat. Like I couldn't even eat mild salsa. It was just a little too hot for me. And the more salt we gave up and the more high sodium products we cut out of our diet, I started craving hot sauce. Um, so we would find some good low-sodium hot sauces, and I would just start adding stuff like that to our vegetables. I would make like a sautéed cabbage, and I'd squirt sriracha on there. And I think for a while, Ken thought I was going insane because mm-hmm. um, I just couldn't get enough heat. Yeah, you have zero tolerance for any sort of spice. So when you started introducing hot sauce to some of our <laughs> items. I I think I remember even saying to you, like, hey, are you feeling okay? Or... But it just adds so much flavor to the food that you're not picking up a salt shaker to give it that little bit of flavor. Um, so if you can't tolerate heat too well, I would say a good starting point hot sauce is Chalua, which is what I started mm-hmm. out eating. It's really not that incredibly spicy it just gives your food an amazing taste yeah in fact when our kids ask for salt we usually try to push the hot sauce over to them and say why don't you give this a try as maybe an alternative well i think that's a good segue point for us to take a break when we come back we'll do ken's pick of course and also what's cooking with brooke This is our segment called Ken's Pick, where he's going to tell you about a wonderful book that has inspired us. So on the subject of salt, a good book that I read a while ago was Salt, Sugar, Fat, How the Food Giants Hooked Us by Michael Moss. 
basically everything that we talked about, how you know salt can be addictive, this book kind of goes into uh, how the food giants use salt, sugar, and fat to kind of hook us on certain products. There's another book that's sort of similar called The Dorito Effect, but salt, sugar, fat is the go-to if you're curious to know more about what those ingredients do to commercial products, why they're included in there. It talks about low-fat products. Even though something is advertised as low-fat, if you read the ingredients, which is something that we try to incorporate in every podcast every time we start talking about ingredients, read the label, look at the nutrition facts. Anytime you see something that says low in sodium or low in fat, they're usually substituting that by increasing either the salt content, the sugar content, or the fat content to hook you. So if things are advertised as low fat, check the sugars. They may be through the roof, especially with salad dressings. They may say, this is a low fat salad dressing. But fat if you, free. Fat free. If you look at the ingredients though, it's loaded with sugars or it's loaded with sodium. Same thing if it says reduced sodium, it usually has a ton of fat or a ton of sugar in the product. Mm-hmm. Can you tell me your opinion on something that says gluten-free? <laughs> no, that's another podcast altogether and another book suggestion. Um, but like I said, Salt, Sugar, and Fat Michael by Michael Moss is a really great book that I highly recommend. So with that segment being over, let's now move to What's Cooking with Brooke? With Brooke. <laughs> so like Ken said before, it was a really short week for us, um, sort of by default because we had two days where we traveled. And I had one day this week where I had amazing food planned, but then life happened again and I had a ton of baking to do on the side for Thanksgiving. So we actually only got two of our meals made this week that I had um, talked about. So I'm going to start with the brown rice lentil stuffed red cabbage rolls. Mm. They were a labor of love, but they were super delicious. Um, You're going to start with cooked lentils, cooked brown rice, add in some tomato paste and onion. You make like a very thick meat-like textured filling, and you're going to put that in some braised red cabbage leaves. And I actually did not use a spaghetti sauce from the grocery store. I can all of our spaghetti sauce. So I used a homemade spaghetti sauce on those. Ken sprinkled a little bit of nutritional yeast on top of his when they came out of the oven. But they were delicious. It was was visually pleasing to see the red cabbage instead of the green cabbage. And the kids loved it. And what were your thoughts? Was that one of the meals we talked about yeah. making? Yeah. yeah. That was, um, I don't know. I'm always, like I keep saying every time, every time we do like a meatness, meatness, meatless Monday meal or a meatless meal, I'm always blown away by not only just the flavor, but if you really don't think about it, you don't really realize you're substituting meat for another product. No, the lentils had an extremely ground beef-like texture to them, so it was pleasing to the palate. Yeah, I, I really enjoy it. I Like I said, I always enjoy the, the meatless meals only because I'm always blown away by, one, the intense flavor, and two, how filling the meal is. You know, I really don't feel like I overindulge on those meals. 
to try to keep myself full. The second noteworthy meal that I made this week that was actually on our list of foods I promised I was going to cook, didn't really get around to all of them this week, um, was the Sofritas Tofu Bowl, another meatless meal. I swear I did make meat this week. It just wasn't in our notable talk about me recipes. Um, this one, as you can tell, we really like these bowl meals, was some brown rice with salad greens on the side, and then cherry tomatoes, a fresh homemade guacamole, and a uh, tofu mixture in a sofrita sauce that had black beans along with it. It was spicy, it was delicious, and it was extremely filling. Yeah, I didn't realize how spicy it was until I blew my nose and then went back for another bite, and it was it was pretty good. We, in fact, the recipe that we found, I know we deviated a little bit from it because it called for a lot more spice, yeah. Yeah, a lot more heat to it. And I don't know, not that we weren't up for that level of heat, but sometimes it's a little bit easier to kind of ease yourself into spicy meals by not including things that are super spicy or that you've had before that you know are super spicy that just kind of ruin the meal. It's so spicy that, you know, it's not really like you can't really eat it as well as you'd like or really enjoy it. My lips were on fire, but uh, I got through the bowl. <laughs> I thought it was good. It was. It was pretty tasty. The kids, you know, like we said, I think when we do some of the bowl meals, we try to offer some different options to the kids only because we know that they don't like the tofu. tofu. We've been trying. I've tried to present tofu in different ways, and they're kids are, man, they're hard to please sometimes. And uh, that's one of the things that we just kind of know from experience. When it comes to tofu, we usually offer the kids something different. Breakfast night, that's always a good one. <laughs> yeah. So like I said, those were the only two talked about meals that I got around to making. And we are back from Thanksgiving break this week and life goes back to normal. So I'm hoping to get myself back on track. So I'm going to talk about the meals that are going to be hopefully present it this week. So we're going to start our week off with a fall breakfast bowl. I love doing breakfast nights for dinner. So this is a bowl that consists of quinoa, nuts, fruit, almond milk. I'm kind of excited to try it and see how that goes with the kids. I'm going to be doing an Italian chili made with spicy turkey Italian sausage hmm. and some white beans instead of kidney beans. We're going to have a midweek meal of autumn chicken dinner, which is basically a one um, sheet meal. You cook the chicken and all the autumn vegetables and even some apple slices go in with that. Ooh. Uh, I'm going to go for a meatless meal towards the end of the week. I'm going to do a vegetable bolognese over pasta. So I like to try and play with uh, pasta sauces a lot, do a meatless sauce, sort of trick the kids up a little bit. They never know. I never know either. <laughs> and then I'm going to end our week. We're going to have a semi-short week. We're not going to have weekend planned meals because we have birthday celebrations coming up for our soon-to-be 10-year-old. Um, so I'm just going to kind of... Yikes. <laughs> See if uh, anything pops up that weekend, and if I do make anything good, we will report on it next week. But like I said, we're going to end the week on Friday with a chicken barley soup. Oh, another soup meal. It's that time of the year. Yep. 
Uh, so anyway, just want to thank everybody for joining us. want to give a little shout out to our friend Amy. She mentioned our podcast on her podcast a couple weeks ago, and I'm very sorry that we forgot to mention it until now. So if you're into knitting, Amy's Knotted Knits is worth checking out. I watched a few episodes, and I feel like I could knit myself some lovely socks. <laughs> she has beautiful work, and I am proud to say that I sport her apparel. I'm joking. I don't know how to knit socks, but it was a nice gesture, and I'm very thankful that Amy was able to throw out that little shout-out to us. Anyway, like always, check our Instagram. We try to post... Uh, what we're eating throughout the week, kind of give you guys a heads up. So when you do listen to the podcast, you can sort of have a visual of what we were eating and our feedback. We are going to post some of the recipes to the blog, as well as some of the spice recipes to the blog. And we will share those on Facebook as well. So I want to thank everybody again for joining us and hope you guys have a really great week. And we'll see you next week. See you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.